This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. So these two words, or a word and a phrase, forget not and remember, are, are the focus for today. And it's Thanksgiving week, and I was thinking about City of Refuge and about all the great stories testimonies that um, are part of the ministry now after 22 and a half years. That number of transformational stories has grown to quite a large number. And then there are great stories in this room right here of lives that have been transformed and the work of God that has uh, taken people out of horrible pits and set their feet on a rock and put a new song in their mouth. And now they're living as sons and daughters in the kingdom. And it's interesting sometimes when you hear people tell their story or give their testimony about what they focus on. And so there's a young lady uh, at City of Refuge in Atlanta that has a powerful testimony. But, um, and I'm not judging the way she presents it, but when she tells her story, there's a whole lot of detail regarding the life that she used to be in. So she came out of trafficking and sexual exploitation and um, powerful story of deliverance and being set free and coming to House of Cherith and getting on a path to recovery and healing and hope. But she talks a lot about the people from the past and she talks a lot about places uh, that bring back bad memories and she talks a lot about other details of the negative part of her experience and so there there are actual locations in the city of Atlanta that if she's in the car with you and you drive by that location she will go into a panic attack because of the experiences that she had in that location and certainly the path to healing from those kinds of experiences and that kind of uh, trauma can be be very long sometimes. It can be a long, slow process of healing. You don't always see people just immediately come out of it and they're okay. But I believe maybe, and I'm not a trauma-informed care specialist and I'm not a counselor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but I think maybe that one thing that might help is that if you stopped uh, pondering and tossing around in your mind and telling so much the bad stuff about what happened and keeping it so fresh, it, it might help you to be able to distance yourself from it. But you have to have something to replace the negative with. So we've got another person, I won't call the girl's name, but the guy's name is Greg Washington, and some of you already know him. <clears throat> and Greg has one of the most powerful testimonies, one of the coolest stories of anybody I know anywhere ever. And so if you don't know, just to give you the the short version, in the late 80s and 90s, Greg was a drug trafficker in the Atlanta area and in the southeast, and he was one of the first guys to start trafficking crack cocaine from South Florida up the east coast into Georgia and the Carolinas and mainly centered in Atlanta. And so he would travel on Greyhound bus and he would always take the child of a friend of his with him so he looks like a daddy traveling with his child and everything's innocent and nice and they're just on a bus going to visit relatives. But what they don't know is because on Greyhound buses back in that day, they didn't search your luggage and they didn't have drug dogs around. Was he would have, he would have 
uh, packages of these drugs in, these, in his luggage that he was carrying with him. So he would come to Atlanta, and then he would be on the streets for a period of time, and he, he rode a, a uh, motorcycle, one of those little fast bikes. I won't use the, the nickname for it because I don't think it would be appropriate in church, but um, one of those fast motorcycles, and he would go into neighborhoods, and he would go to doors, and he would sell, and he was, he was a major figure in Atlanta during those years of selling crack cocaine on the streets and of transporting it from South Florida up. He had a bad motorcycle accident. It tore out his entire knee socket. He had to have a, a rod put from his hip to his ankle so that he still walks with a stiff leg. And he, he masked his drug business with regular LLC-type businesses, so he was a contractor, and he was this, that, and the other. And he bought houses and properties, and he had vehicles with his company name on the side of it and all of that. But he had three guys living in a house one time that was packed up with drugs, and they were his petty street guys selling drugs. And the cops busted the house, and they, they just... Wouldn't, there was one rookie cop that would not go away. He kept saying, I know there's something here. I know there's something here. So finally they bring the dogs out and they, they, the dog alerts on the door facings. And so they tear out the door facings and you just have kilos of drugs stacked up inside the door facings. So they go, they, they arrest the guys, but they also go for the owner of the house. And they arrest him and he's busted and he catches a 20-year prison sentence. So Greg goes into prison on a 20-year sentence, and he found the Lord in prison. Well, we know a lot of people that do that, right? <laughs> you know, no better time to find Jesus than when you just went to jail and you're looking to get out, and you're looking for a miracle, and you're looking for a break, and you need Jesus to help you with that. And most of them, once they get out, then the Jesus falls off their lips, and that's, that's the end of that. Not for Greg. He was transformed and entered into a true and pure uh, relationship with God and and when he came out of prison at 40 months without explanation maybe Monica could help us with this but one day his lawyer just showed up to visit him and said they're letting you go and he said why he said shut up don't ask me nothing just get your stuff they're letting you go and Greg does not know why he was released early but he was he wasn't even eligible for parole at that time <clears throat> so he comes out in prison. He had learned about City of Refuge, and he said, when I'm released, whenever that is, if the organization's still in existence, that's where I'm going. He came straight out, dragging a suitcase down the sidewalk and walked in our gate and said, I need to be in here. I need to be protected from what's out there. Can you help me? Can I stay? And we said, well, you're what we're here for. Come on in. So he came in, we started letting him volunteer in the warehouse, just staying off the streets. He started going out with the crews, feeding the homeless. Then we put him on part-time in the warehouse. We put him on part-time custodial. And after he'd been there for a few years, my brother called him in and said, I believe that you are supposed to be our youth pastor and our youth programming director for City of Refuge. And Greg starts weeping, just one of those really ugly stuff hanging from his face to the floor, kind of a cry. And Bruce's like, well, 
I, I know this, you know, is, is a pretty big thing here, but, you know, what's this all about? Well, Greg just gets up and leaves and is gone five minutes and comes back and he sits down with a notebook and he opens it up and he said, five years ago to the day I was sitting in a Bible study in prison and the teacher said, I want you to write down in your notebook what you believe you'll be doing in five years. Yeah, pardon me, I get stirred up emotionally every time I tell this story. He wrote down in his notebook, in five years, I will be leading a youth ministry in the inner city. To the day, five years, on the anniversary, is that God? Five years. So he becomes a youth pastor, and he's our youth pastor, youth programming director for six years. And then we called him in and we said, Greg, it's time for transition. You may not understand it at first, but we believe this is the next step for you. We had run into these people in Ohio that run a ministry called Tyro. Tyro is a reentry program for men who are incarcerated in prison who are in the last 12 months of their incarceration. And it's a program where you go in and you mentor them. You help them if they need their GED. They go through various levels of accomplishment. They get certificates. And they go through job training so that when they exit, they're ready to be acclimated back to society instead of being turned out on the street with a $25 check to go straight to the same people they were with before they went in. We said, Greg, Tyro wants to expand to Georgia. They want City of Refuge to be their vehicle for that expansion. They've asked us to identify the director of the Tyro program here, and we believe you are that guy. So you want to talk about a redemption story. Greg Washington, the drug dealer, the trafficker, who goes to prison on a 20-year sentence, who used to go to the neighborhoods, to the housing projects, and sell drugs, then becomes Greg Washington, the guy who gets in a van and goes to those same neighborhoods and picks up the children and the grandchildren of the people he used to sell drugs to and brings them for after-school tutoring and homework help and recreation leagues, and summer camps, and church, and then evolves into the guy who is going back into the prisons in Georgia and working with men that he was in prison with. Listen, two guys who were two of his first graduates from the Tyro program were in his class, were in prison with him back when he was in. That's redemption. Well, the point, I, I got into more of the story than I intended to, is that when you hear Greg tell his story, he gives very little detail about going into the neighborhoods. He tells very little about running from the cops on his motorcycle and crashing and cocaine spilling out all over the road. He doesn't deal much with any of the negative parts of what he did. When Greg tells the reason I know so much about it is because I sat and interviewed him and dug into his story in depth because his, his story is a chapter in my book. 
But when Greg tells his story publicly, he focuses on the salvation experience he had while he was in jail. He focuses on how his life was turned around. He focuses on the work of God. He focuses on how rather than spending his life in and out of incarceration and back and forth on the streets and doing all sorts of damage and create, helping to create children that he's not willing to help take care of and all the stories that we know that are, that are so prevalent in our society that God saved him, redeemed him, and set him on a kingdom path and gave him opportunity to have heavy, heavy spiritual influence in other people's lives who are going through the same things that he used to go through. So, why not? This year at Thanksgiving, why don't we make a decision that we're going to focus all week long, and maybe it'll extend on past Thanksgiving week, on what God has done, on the benefits He has brought, on the blessings He's provided, on the, the positive stuff instead of the negative stuff. And as I said earlier on, we've all got the negative. We've all been through the experiences. We've all been disappointed, discouraged, hurt, confused. We've all suffered pain. We've all suffered loss and tragedy. We've all experienced low points in our lives where there's been darkness or there's been grief or there's been depression. Some of us have been in addiction. And we could tell those stories and we can run through all the detail. And sometimes what we're guilty of is we're guilty of continuing to glorify the evil and glorify what the enemy was able to accomplish in us rather than focusing on the overcoming power of God that brought us out of it. Why not just leave it back there for a little while and, and just not even pay any attention to it, not to give it any of our interest or any of our energy. And let's just say, look what God has done. Look where He's brought me from. Look where I could have been, but instead of where I am now. Just the fact that you're sitting right here today Having the opportunity and the physical strength and well-being to be here is something to focus on and to feel blessed and to give thanks for. Has anybody besides me, because I just made a decision, I was going to intentionally pay attention to the unbelievable beauty of this autumn that we're experiencing. We have not had colors like this in central Georgia, and I don't think since I've been here. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't pay attention to the, to the trees that are already naked already. Keep paying attention to the colors. And even when all those leaves are on the ground, there's going to be other things that are good, that are wholesome, that we have to give God thanks for. So David is a guy who went through a lot of stuff in his life, a lot of negative stuff, a lot of bad stuff, and those stories are there. and We can read those stories. And some of them have significant detail to them. We're not going to spend any time with the details of those stories. 
We know that he was at war a lot. We know that he suffered loss, that he, he suffered disappointment. We know that people he loved turned their backs against him, even tried to kill him. We know that he fell into adultery. We know that he lost the child that was the product of that adultery. We know all that, okay? And when you read the Psalms that David wrote, you can find him pouring out grief. You can find him dealing with the hardship and the negative stuff. You can find him questioning God and asking God, why is this happening? You can find him requesting of God that God would strike down his enemies, trample on them, slice their lips off, all these very graphic things he wants God to do. But then you get to the 103rd Psalm. And if you start to look really hard for something negative, you're going to come up disappointed. Because this psalm is an example to us of pure worship and thanksgiving for the good stuff. Praise the Lord all my soul, my all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all His benefits so sometimes we do those little exercises maybe when you're around the thanksgiving table with your family you do it or maybe you've been in group settings or at church where they go around the room and say give us one thing that you have to be thankful for well i don't want it, this to be just a trite uh, you know, repeated exercise that we've done a lot of times. But I really do want to challenge you today that as you consider the instruction to forget not all His benefits, to identify, put a name to, and point at, and think about, and consider, and ponder, and give thanks for exactly what those benefits are. What are they? Remember, I said that if you're going to, to put away the negative, you're going to have to have something to replace it with. And what you want to replace it with is the good stuff. The good stuff. What are His benefits? I can't speak for you. You have to think and speak for yourself. I'm actually going to ask somebody, anybody, to you got one, one in your mind that's just burning you up right now, just came to you. I want you to stand up and tell us what it is if you want to. I'll give you one real quick without detail. I had a very short visit with my father in a dream one night this week. See, my father's not here on earth anymore. So maybe I'll tell you more later. That's a benefit. That's a benefit to me. Who wants to stand up and tell us a benefit, Cheryl? Just this time a year ago, I had gone to the doctor and gotten bad news and in January I had to have surgery and the doctors that they sent me to were at Emory and they were specialists and all the signs pointed to cancer 
And I believe with all my heart that God healed me. And I wouldn't be standing here today if it was not for the healing power of God. Tracy may have to talk, but a long time ago, my little granddaughter, Rebecca, was diagnosed with cancer, and they didn't give us any help for her death, and I was overwhelmed, and we prayed. It's the scripture. The Lord gave me. And I lived on Psalms 103. Because I knew the only way through that journey was to praise him and trust him. They had to take me out of the hospital the night they diagnosed her. But when the Lord gave me this. I knew. He never told me that she was going to live. He just told me that when Jeff and Tracy walked through that journey with me and with my daughter, he just let me know that every step of the way I had to trust him and praise him. And today she's 20 seven years old. Man, what benefits, right? Rebecca diagnosed at 14 months. She won't live. No child ever diagnosed with this cancer has ever lived. She's 27. What's the benefit? All kinds of them, but Miss Faye pointed out one powerful benefit Psalm 103, what a benefit we have that we can go there, that we can sit with it. There is no restriction on us. There are people in parts of the world that have to, have to go to the Word in secret. They have to hide it somewhere where it can't be found. We have a benefit. Now, they can name their benefits. It's not that they don't have any benefits, but we in America have the benefit that anytime we want to, we can go to Psalm 103, no matter what's going on, and say, praise the Lord, all my soul, all my inmost being, and I will not forget His benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. So we're not dealing with the details of the sins. We're not dealing with the details of what's in the pit. What we're dealing with is God's deliverance and God's forgiveness and God's mercy and God's grace that brings us up out of that pit, shines light on our path and shows us a new way to go. And walks with us every step of that way. He satisfies our desires with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Man, 
What a benefit to know that even though life throws a lot of stuff at us and we're going to get weary here and there, we're going to feel run down, we're going to feel discouragement sometimes, it is God that we can go to who brings restoration. I think restoration is one of the greatest words that's ever been in any language because it gives us the powerful hope and the promise that no matter how many pieces it's been broken into, it can be restored. It can be restored and actually produce better stuff and better results in our lives than it did before the breaking. The benefits of restoration. Are you wanting to say something? You want to? Because I want you to. Okay. No, I, I needed, I, I don't, I, when you were talking earlier, I don't know if has, this has anything to do with what he's talking about, but when he was, everybody started talking about um, things that were like benefits. That's, excuse me. Um, I just had this like overwhelming urge that I needed to get up and say something. Like my chest was on fire and that like I needed to say something and I didn't want to. I was like, I don't know if this has anything to do with what he's talking about, but I feel like I need to say it. And for some of y'all, most of y'all in here know that we're working to help people with the refuge ranch, which is horse therapy, that sort of thing. And, you know, God has placed so many things like it started off as very slow very very slow process towards our goal and um and there's things that we had to change about our lives personally for us to get there and God was telling us that and there was you know me and my brothers fight a lot and um, have a smart mouth sometimes when it comes to my parents, which is something I shouldn't have. But we have to change those things because if we don't change ourselves, we can't help to change other people's lives. And I feel like we are getting better. Um, there's things like my dad has been telling us for a long time that every morning I want you to read your Bibles. And I tried to do that, and it was really hard, but... I try to get to school early in the mornings and I read my Bible. And it's just little things like that that, you know, change your life. Um, and I keep, I pray to him more. Like when I was driving to, a, we were going on vacation, um, I think yesterday, the night that I drove down there. I drove later because I went to a friend's party. And I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I just turned off the radio and I started talking to God like he was right there in the truck with me. And, you know, you just pray for certain things. And I'm, I asked for him to start showing us, you know, what he has in store for us to, like, really have that ball start rolling. And he does. I mean, we have, I mean, he brought Landon to us and we're helping him and his mama. And then we have our cousin here this morning with us, and she wants, we're just blessed to have her with us. And we just keep taking people in, and he keeps sending people, and it's, it's really just a blessing. 
And I just I feel like I needed to say something because to me that's just I don't know what I'm even trying to say. I just felt like I needed to say something. Well, she said a lot. She said a lot. And for a 16-year-old to stand up and as an act of obedience and to say, here's, because you stated some benefits, Gabby, even though you may not even know what you're saying. You stated some benefits, the benefit of being able to Turn the radio off, and even if it's just you and him, just sit with the Lord and consult with him and get his counsel. The benefit of being able to exercise obedience to the things he's putting in your path and path of your family, and I'm talking to all of us, really. Because the Brown family, they made some decisions and some proclamations about the call they were feeling. Well... Everything didn't just automatically fall in place and not every question's answered on day one. And, and rather than filling up barns with needy people to do horse therapy, what happens? All of a sudden, somebody has a baby that needs to be taken care of. And maybe the benefit is the Lord giving this family an opportunity to say, yeah, we'll take care of a little baby first. Because if we can't take care of a little baby, how are we going to act like we're going to take care of the masses with horse therapy? If we can't, and if we can't, because Gabby said her cousin's here today, if we can't demonstrate the benevolent heart of the Father and God's love and grace and compassion and forgiveness to those in our own families, then what are we talking about? There's no need talking about anything else. If we can't, we talked about pretty heavy subject last week, pretty intense, of restoration in relationships, of exercising forgiveness. And if we're not willing to do that, we don't even have the right or the authority to open up a conversation about God's forgiveness for us. Because Jesus really did say, when you pray for forgiveness, make sure you include that you are forgiving others who have done wrong toward you because it's only to the level that you're willing to forgive them that God is willing to forgive you. Benefits. Ms. Sandra Faye, you had one? Uh, maybe I could talk without crying. But anyway, uh, last year, uh, around this time, I had fell into a pit and God redeemed me out of that pit. So uh, I just wanted to say that. It's so clear in that song. Redemption. <laughs> the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Let me back up one second because sometimes in the, can we go to the previous screen? Forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. I want to make it clear there. We've had some testimonies of physical healing. But the scripture here is not talking about healing all of your physical diseases. 
See, because we can become disillusioned and discouraged with God and feel like God's disappointed us. If we cherry-pick Scriptures out and, and give it our own interpretation, the entire context of this Scripture is about spiritual issues. Forget not His benefits. He forgives your sins. He heals your spiritual diseases. We're all like spiritual lepers. He redeems our lives from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion. These are spiritual issues. Can God heal physical diseases? Yes. Does He? Yes. But does He, every time we ask Him to heal a sickness, show up and instantaneously heal it? No. I had a visit with my father in a dream because he died. He's not here. I can't visit with him physically anymore. He died from a disease, although we prayed fervently that he would be healed. Miss Faye gave a testimony. She didn't mention herself. She's pointing the benefits in other directions because that's what she does. But the reason she speaks like that is because she had a laryngectomy from throat cancer. She's cancer-free. She had a scan this past week. There's no sign of cancer. But God did not restore her voice. So we can't cherry pick and say God is obligated to do this, that, or the other for me. We focus on the benefits and not on the things that did not show up the way we maybe would have liked them to show up. So back to the next screen. The Lord works righteousness and justice. He made known His way to Moses, His deeds to all the people of Israel. We're going to go to Deuteronomy 8 in a minute and see that. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. These are the benefits of grace and mercy that we could spend a lot of time with, but we don't have time today. Let's go to the next one. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over and it is blows over it and it is gone and in its place and its place remembers it no more but from everlasting to everlasting the lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts see there's an important point here that we need to pause and recognize the lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children we need to constantly be reminding ourselves that this is not just about me. And it's not just about you. I, I'm glad that Gabby stood up for a number of reasons, but one of those reasons as we get to this point in Psalm 103 is to remind us all that what we're doing and the way we're living and the way we're communicating and the way we're making decisions is spilling off onto our children. 
is spilling off onto those who are younger who are around us. It may not even be our biological children. It, it, how do we want our children to perceive God when they're our age? Well, a lot of that is going to have to do with how they see you living out your relationship with God right now. If they see hypocrisy in you, they're going to have a muddled view of what a relationship with God is supposed to be. If they hear you talk the talk, but they really do not see you walk the walk, that's going to present challenges and problems for them down the road. I think there's a, a, several reasons why that in the church at large in America, that 90%, listen, 90% of young people when they graduate out of the youth group of their church, stop coming to church. If it was lived out in front of them in genuineness, if they were seeing and hearing the same things at home that they saw their parents saying and doing and talking about at church, if they were not witnesses to shouting and singing glorifying God in the sanctuary and backbiting and gossiping in the hallways and in the foyer and in the car on the way home, would they have a different perception about what a relationship with God is all about? So the righteousness we're passing on to our children and their children with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts, the Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Man, Forget not his benefits. Let's go to Deuteronomy 8. i got to finish up. I said to myself this morning, this is going to be short and sweet, and then it's not. <clears throat> so, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is talking to the people of Israel. And you know the experience they went through in Egypt and then being brought out of Egypt. They were liberated, and they were led by Moses into the wilderness, and they spent 40 years on a journey that should have taken a couple of weeks. Why? Because the children of Israel had two things wrong. They had short-term memory loss and they had long-term memory loss. This is, these are the egregious sins of the children of Israel. They had short-term memory loss and they had long-term memory loss. Why when Moses was on the mountain getting a word from God, getting instruction from the people, were the people down here acting the fool and dancing around a man-made idol because they had serious memory loss? 
They could not remember from one week to the next what God had done in their lives, what He had saved them from, and what He had saved them to. They couldn't remember it. If there's anything on earth that I, I, I do not want to see happen in my own life or my family or those around me that I love and all of you, it's that I do not want us to forget. Don't, don't forget all His benefits. Do not forget what He's done in your life. Do not forget where He brought you from. Do not forget what He's brought you to. You say, well, Jeff, I still got all kinds of problems. Well, don't we all? He has still brought me from a place that would have killed me. He's brought me out of a horrible pit, whether it's a, a profound and horrible addiction to some substance or whether it's just idiotic spiritual complacency and status quo religion. One is just as bad as the other one. He's brought all of us out of something and He has saved us to something and we ought to be giving thanks to Him for it all the time. So Moses says, listen, let's go to the next, next screen. What's that first word? <laughs> Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way where? In the wilderness. The wilderness was reality, but God led me. These 40 years to do what? To humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. God doing good work in us when we don't even know it. God doing good work in us when it doesn't feel like good work. God doing good work in us when we're completely oblivious to what's going on. But if we get up and exercise obedience every morning, He will continue to do good work in us. He will continue to put things in front of us that are going to humble us and test us and make us ready for what's coming. Whether or not you would keep His commands, that's what He's testing us for. We can talk about it all day. The question is, are we going to live it out? Next screen. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And that, that, that Scripture is so profound and so important that Jesus actually quoted it when He was facing the devil in His own wilderness. He's quoting Moses in Deuteronomy. He says, Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. The benefit of discipline, the benefit of preparation, the benefit of the heat, the cold, the fire, the challenge, the pit. Because we all sometimes find ourselves in a pit or in a wilderness. The question is, can we recognize the benefits that come 
through that pit experience, through that wilderness experience and what God's teaching us and what He's showing us and how He's preparing us for what's coming. So when David in Psalm 40 said, I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined to me. He lifted me up out of a horrible pit. He set my feet on a rock. He established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. That's a beautiful story. That's a beautiful illustration. But guess what? It wasn't the last pit that David ever fell into. It wasn't long after he wrote that psalm that he fell into another pit. What does he do at that point? He may cry out to God. He was always crying out to God. He may express his anguish and he may ask God some questions and he may ask God to trample on his enemies. But he also, every time you hear David speak and everywhere you read his writing, he is acknowledging what God is doing in the middle of the situation, whether the situation feels good or not. All his benefits. So what about you? What about you as we move into Thanksgiving week? And, you know, it's an American holiday the rest of the world. I never forget the first time I was in Jamaica and we got into November and... um, I said something about Thanksgiving, just got a blank look back from whoever I was talking to because they don't have Thanksgiving there. They didn't know what I was speaking of. And I don't think I've ever seen a turkey. Um, I know I've never seen a live one there. And I don't believe I've ever seen one in the store. They don't They do not do turkey. You know? So Thanksgiving is a great holiday. It's a great time. It's It's a good opportunity for us to reflect on the history of our country and what we have to be thankful for but man I just love for us to turn it into a whole lot more than that this week and just to all day every day just be thinking about his benefits thinking that you know you could get to next Sunday and look back and draw one of two conclusions either man I cheated myself because I spent too much time dwelling on bad stuff I spent way too much time and expended too much energy focusing on the negative and the problems in my life. Or you could get to next Sunday and you could say, man, I feel pretty good about this week I just lived because I spent a lot of time focusing on God's benefits and remembering who He is, remembering what He's done, remembering what availability I have to Him, the availability I have to His Word, and thinking about what He saved me from and what He's saving me to. And what's happened is I've spent so much time doing that that I had so little time to focus on anything else. (laughs) So why don't we just make a commitment that's what we're going to do. It's a good idea every week. But we have to start somewhere, right? We have to start somewhere. Father, thank you that we have opportunity for new beginnings and opportunity to start somewhere. And so we're going to start now with um, spending a few days in thanksgiving for all your benefits. Giving you praise for what you've done, what you are doing, what you're going to do, for what you've saved us from, for what you're saving us to. And we could sit here and list benefits on and on and on and on and on. So as the days pass this coming week and we get into Thanksgiving with family and friends and good food and good times, we're going to keep your benefits at the forefront of our thinking and we're going to give you thanks just like the psalmist did in Psalm 103. Nothing negative, nothing that's going to bring about discouragement, but only that which is going to uplift you 
and it's going to enrich our lives. And we thank you for the benefit to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.